Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Clones, what's cracking? Welcome back to the Daily Jungle. Hope you denimed up, backed it in, and finished strong. I even sweatered up today. Topics from the program. We had Sean Miller. We had some cocaine talk, heroin talk, and Kron. All of those things at the World Cup. Orenthal, James Simpson. I'll let you figure out exactly how this day went. My guests, though, were tremendous. Drew Holiday of the Pelicans, Dave Roberts of the LA Dodgers, Bud Black, skipper of the Rockies. They all brought it. You clones, on the other hand, tried to burn this house right to the ground. But at least we had Alvin's week that was to pick us up in the end. Alvin, if you're done going absolute legend on my mic and finish snacking on those mixed nuts, would you mind getting this thing started? So let's play it straight right off the top. I want to talk about Arizona and Sean Miller. The last week has been a wild ride for Arizona basketball following that ESPN report that Sean Miller was on a wiretap discussing a payment for DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier's suspension for a failed PED test. I mean, it looked like that team would be without their head coach and two of their best players the rest of the way. Except that against Oregon, Ayton played... Miller and the other not available. And then they lost a key recruit due to the scandal. And it seemed like it was only a matter of time before everything ripped apart. It was all falling apart. But then it didn't. In fact, not only did it not fall apart, but everything changed last night. Miller was back on the bench. Arizona wins the Pac-12 title. And the real fireworks did not come in that win over Stanford. They came before the game with Sean Miller's press conference addressing that report. And my man definitely addressed that report. He said that he has, quote, done nothing wrong. And that, quote, he has never knowingly violated NCAA rules. And that he has, quote, never paid a recruit or a prospect or their family or a representative to come to Arizona. Quote, I never have and I never will. End quote. He went on to say that he, quote, never ever met or spoke, quote, with sports agent Christian Dawkins until after Aiton committed to Arizona, and that, quote, any reporting to the contrary is inaccurate, false, and defamatory. There was no such conversation. These statements have damaged me, my family, my university, DeAndre Ayton and his incredible family. The only attempted corrections by the original source of the media statements are still inaccurate and completely false, end quote. Now, this is where it all gets really interesting. Because while ESPN has made corrections to their original report, and in particular, the timeline of when the phone calls were made, they're not backing down. They're standing behind the report. And of course, Miller is not backing down. And the school had his back yesterday, as did a report from Sports Illustrated. So where does that leave us? Either Sean Miller is publicly lying about something that is on a wiretap, or ESPN butchered this report, and they're wrong. Either way, somebody's in serious trouble. And from the way Miller was fighting his side yesterday, it would not be good enough for him to say, well, I didn't offer to pay for Aiton. It was actually about another recruit. He can't go that hard and then double back to that point. So if you're Miller, why would you stand up in front of everybody and then publicly lie about something when an FBI wiretap could prove you wrong? If that's a last-ditch attempt to keep a job, it's the worst attempt ever because that will follow him the rest of his career if it's a lie. 
that kind of thing, that destroys your coaching career. I mean, if that happened, if that happened and he got caught in that lie, I'd say he'd never work ever again. Then again, even if he did get caught in that lie, he probably could survive that. I mean, hell, Dave Bliss has been hired not once, not twice, not three times, but four times since encouraging players to lie and claim that a murdered teammate was a drug dealer at Baylor. So the fact that that guy's gotten several jobs means that pretty much anybody can work anywhere or almost anywhere if you win enough games. But then again, Miller. For Miller, he would have to be so dumb or so desperate or really both to do something like that. And the university, again, is backing him up. So either the reporter is nervous or Miller is insane. Like Nick Saban saying, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. And then going to be the Alabama coach is one thing. Lying about a wiretap is next level. That's Saban 2.0. Lying about what's in a wiretap would be like the most incredible, most ridiculous move ever. So if he is on tape talking about paying for Aiton, this would be the biggest bluff ever. And then for what? So he can coach a couple of more games before it all comes out. It just doesn't make sense. And if it did come out, how do you handle that? What if that came out? That's when you'd have to drop the Nigel Morgan legendary, Oh, I gotta go! I gotta go! And then just bounce. Or scream, let's play some basketball! And then run out the door. Look, I've always said that if I were accused of something I didn't do, I would be screaming it from the rooftops. And that's exactly what Sean Miller did yesterday. He's all in. The stakes could not be any higher. And no matter how this plays out, somebody is in big trouble and is going to be wearing this for a long, long time. Either the guy who did it or the guy who reported it, who didn't have his facts straight or got burned by a source. Either Miller is lying or ESPN butchered the story and a guy's reputation. Whoever is on the wrong side of this is going to wear that for a very long time. Drew Holiday is my guest. Drew, it's been quite some time. Great to have you on the show. How are you? Hey, what's going on? What's up, man? How are you? How are things? Uh, good, man. Good good win, like you said. Uh, had, had a day off, so, uh, you know, ready to... Ready to get back to the next one. I like it. Let's talk about that win for a minute. You beat San Antonio in their place on Wednesday. You came from down 15 at one point. So how pleased were you with the way the team battled back on the road against a Western power like the Spurs? Um, it was an awesome win. Uh, it, it felt really good, especially, like you said, against a team like the Spurs, who right now I think they're still number three. Uh, holding that spot a little shaky, but i got a couple teams coming for that spot. But it, it was um, – it was a good win, especially especially for our team. Now, they were up nine at halftime, and you said that Alvin Gentry's speech at halftime kind of lit a fire in the team. Can you share, what was his message to you guys, and then what kind of an impact did that speech have? Uh, pretty much we weren't playing like ourselves. Uh, we're, we're on the road in San Antonio, which is a tough place to play. And for us to win, we're going to have to do a, a lot better and to play like ourselves. I think the second half, um, we started playing more of our game. Um, <clears throat> the Spurs, you know, that they didn't have Pau Gasol, so we thought we had an advantage on the boards, especially with Anthony and, and, and Meritage and Emeka. Um, first half, you know, they, they got a lot of offensive rebounds, but second half, I think we changed that around. We're talking to Drew Holiday. Now, that's seven straight wins for you guys, and it put you within a half game of the Spurs in the division, only a game and a half out of third in the conference. You know, it seemed like the thinking was when Boogie Cousins went down that the team's playoff hopes might have gone down with him. Obviously, you can't replace a talent like that, but how has everybody in the locker room responded to that challenge and losing the big man? 
Yeah, uh, we responded well. I think it's been good for us as a team. Uh, something else that we had to go through uh, as far as injuries, uh, we still have a couple guys out that we, we would love to have back. But uh, that was that was a really big piece. Um, we were definitely just starting to get into a groove. That game that DeMarcus got hurt, we beat the, the number one uh, team, Houston. And uh, you know what I mean? It was really a confidence booster. But once we saw DeMarcus go down, it was definitely a bummer. Um, but it, it took us a while to get back into it. Uh, it took us a minute to, to get our group back. But now I feel like we're in a, in a very good place as a team. True. One more thing about that. I mean, there's the basketball side of losing somebody like that, but then there's the personal side too. What's it like for you to see a teammate suffer the kind of injury that he did? It's uh, it's heart wrenching, really. Yeah. Um, I remember after the game, uh, everybody everybody went into the X-ray room and 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 we prayed for him, uh, prayed for a speedy recovery, prayed for uh, just his mentality, his mental on on the on the recovery, just just because of how how uh, I how bad of an injury it can be uh, and just to recover from. But, man, it was, it was a big deal for us. We, we had this plan where we had kind of this – we had Anthony and DeMarcus leading us this whole way, and we were just starting to get into a groove. And when a big piece like that goes down, um, it, it kind of takes a little piece out of you. No question. Clones, I know how I'm going to spend my night tonight on my back, on my Casper mattress. I own a Casper mattress, and I always will. Now, I sleep great every single night because I've got a Casper mattress. And the reason I do sleep great is because the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. And right now, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Try it out for 100 nights, and if you don't love Casper as much as I love mine, they will come and pick it up for free and give you a full refund. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com and using the promo code JUNGLE at checkout. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada both. Affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. Once again, promo code JUNGLE at Casper.com to save $50 on select mattresses. Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. That's Casper. Now it's back to the Daily Jungle. Pelicans point guard Drew Holiday joining us. You know, it seems like from the outside looking in that you've taken your game to another level this year from a scoring and shooting percentage standpoint. As you look at it, what's been the biggest difference between this season and previous seasons for you? Uh, I've been healthy for the last two years. Um, Definitely started to get back into a groove. I, I don't have to worry about injuries or uh, or I guess the injury and and that reoccurring. So I think mentally that goes a long way. Uh, and with that being said, like I do feel like I kind of know what DeMarcus is going through. It's a different type of injury uh, that I had, but um, just how it can take a toll on you. But this year I definitely think uh, injury, how, how healthy my body is, um, as well as, again, I give a lot of credit to uh, Rajon Rondo, who he pushes the pace and he's always looking for me to score and always keeping me motivated to to attack the basket. Um, and when when Demarcus is out there, Demarcus and Anthony, man, I mean, like you can't double team them. It, it, it's nearly impossible because they're both on the floor at the same time. There, but you have to double team them because they're that good at talents. And uh, it, it he they really just make me that much better. They 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 give me the opportunity to make so many 
open, easy shots. That seems to me also, it's always going to be a game of matchups, but then there are those times where you can really impose your will. As an example, you go back to Sunday, you had that huge game. You had 36, you had nine rebounds, you had six assists in a comeback win over the Bucks. 28, though, came in the second half in overtime. Was there a point in that game where you figured, I just have to take this game over myself? Um, I think it was the beginning of the second half. I, uh, I started getting into a groove, and from that point, it was like, all right, well, I, I just got to go. And uh, I have great teammates who see that as well. So Anthony's just telling me, like, man, you on a roll. Like, keep going. Like, you need me to set a screen. If you go to the basket and if you miss, I'm going to be there for the rebound. Things like that that uh, motivates us as teammates. But, um, I, again, I, I just saw that and, and kind of rolled with the opportunity, and um, they, they kept feeding me. We're talking to Drew Holiday for a few more moments. You know, you mentioned Anthony Davis and the things that he talks to you about and you to him. I mean, you guys have been killing other teams with a pick and roll. How would you describe the chemistry that the two of you have on the floor right now? It's awesome. Uh, we've built it over the years. Um, I think we've always had really good chemistry. Uh, again, because of my because of my injury, I, I think that we haven't really had the opportunity to show uh, others how, how good of a one-two punch we can be but um again man it's difficult um especially in a screen and roll game like that where you have anthony who can score anywhere on the floor and and then with with me attacking the basket like i said if i miss anthony's there for the rebound and, and it's kind of tough it was a it was a lot better with the markets out there because now you have your five men stepping out to the three-point line and he's not in the paint now so the paint is kind of wide open, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, with no no rim protection, but uh, for the most part, man, it, it's it, we take turns. Um, if I have the if I have the opportunity, if I have the shot, I take the shot. Um, for the most part, I feel like I look for Anthony because uh, any anywhere within ten to fifteen feet, I feel like his shot's going in. And Drew, one more thought about Anthony before you go. I mean, he was named the Western Conference Player of the Month for February. He averaged 35 points, 13 boards, two and a half steals, and more than two blocks. I mean, you've been in this league a long time now, so set the record straight for everybody. Is Davis on a hot streak, or is this just who he is right now as a player? That's him, honestly. Uh, I feel like people see the, see the times with him do that, and I remember last year in the beginning of the year, like his first three games, he had 50 points. It was like 50, 45, and 50. So uh, I feel like that's just him. In the beginning of this year, I think we had to adjust a little bit with our new teammates, uh, with DeMarcus, and obviously with, with DeMarcus out, or when with DeMarcus was playing, um, you, Anthony doesn't have to score 45. He doesn't have to score 50 points. And when you get those opportunities, you can, but um, it was more of even playing field uh, uh, across the board. But Anthony does this all the time, in my opinion. Uh, he's, the, he's the number one four-man in the league. I, I don't see anybody coming close to him. Do you think, I mean, the, the number one four-man in the league, he's that, but is he even more than that right now? I mean, James Harden's having a great year. He's getting a lot of MVP attention. So is LeBron James. Is there an argument that Anthony Davis should be getting more run as an MVP candidate? I think so, especially with the way we're playing, especially where we're ranked now in the West. Um, uh, again, James and, and LeBron are both playing outstanding, and I do understand that James is his team is number one in the West. But Anthony, man, the the things that he's doing as a, as a big, and again, no offense, but like 
I, I guess, a big man, somebody who can handle the ball and, and go coast to coast, uh, push it up the floor, essentially run the point guard position in itself. Like, he, he could pretty much do everything. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, I'm blessed to be on this team, and, and I'm happy he's on my side. Drew, before I cut you loose, let me ask you about your brothers. Your brother Justin plays for the Bulls. Your younger brother Aaron is having a huge season at UCLA, likely about to become the seventh player in conference history to average 19 points and five assists. What's your reaction when you see Aaron playing the way that he is right now? And then how much pride do you take in the season that he's having at UCLA? Right, he's averaging pretty much what I'm averaging. <laughs> I <laughs> right. think that's, that's great. I think, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I think his career at UCLA has definitely surpassed mine and um just for him to showcase his talent on that level has been has been really awesome um we're six years apart so i've never played with him or against him just because of our age difference uh i've seen him play i think one college game um at poly which again which which was a blessing uh but to see him on this stage at this time and and how he's grown i mean i've literally seen him since diapers has been awesome for him to fulfill his dream. It's a little different with me and Justin because uh, we're 14 months apart, so we kind of went through it together. But to see him do it kind of on his own, uh, and it's a little harder too now because he has two brothers who have already made it in the league and kind of established themselves. Um, I, I do feel like he has like a lot of criticism or a lot of people looking at him like, all right, well, who does he play like? Does he play like Drew? Does he play like Justin? Does he have the same mentality? Does he have this or that that they have? And I'm just glad that people are seeing that he, he's his own player and, uh, and um, can really hold his own. All right, so one of the great storylines from last night's Philadelphia-Cleveland game was the Cavaliers' pregame announcement that J.R. Smith was suspended. The team's official Twitter account posted, hashtag Cavs, Guard, J.R. Smith, has been suspended by the team for one game for detrimental conduct, end quote. I'm not so great. Detrimental conduct involving J.R. Swish. I mean, what could that be? What could that be, and then when did that happen? The team played it close to the vest before the game. Head coach Ty Lue said that, it, quote, it was something that happened after shoot-around, end quote, but didn't give us any more details. So what could this guy have possibly done after shoot-around but before the game that would have warranted a suspension? I mean, that's incredible, right? What could a guy do after shoot-around but before a game to get suspended? Now, knowing J.R. Smith, and I say this out of respect and admiration, it could be just about anything. He's got that kind of range. I'm the kind of guy that not only does he shoot the ball right when he steps over half-court, kind of guy that shoots the ball as soon as he gets out of his car. He's got that kind of range. It could be anything at all. What would be something that J.R. Smith might do after shoot-around, but before a game that would get him suspended for that game, but allow him to come back to practice today and then be available to play tomorrow? And now we have the answer, allegedly. So what was it? I mean, again, you could spend hours guessing, and if you didn't hear what I said earlier, you'd have no idea. But when you hear this, you will know and you will understand. Because accuracy is important. I'm going to read the very first sentence of a report by Brian Winhorst and Dave McMenamin. Cleveland Cavaliers guard J.R. Smith earned his one-game suspension from the team Thursday by throwing a bowl of soup at assistant coach Damon Jones 
multiple sources with knowledge of the incident told ESPN, end quote. Let me repeat the key part of that sentence to make sure you heard that correctly. J.R. Smith earned a one-game suspension from the team Thursday by throwing a bowl of soup at an assistant coach. Let's just move in a little bit closer. Hit that zoom in button. Throwing a bowl of soup at assistant coach Damon Jones. Freaking incredible. J.R. Smith suspended for throwing soup. That is so right. And so wrong. And while the report does answer one question, it does raise about 100 more. Question, why was J.R. Smith suspended? Answer, lobbing a bowl of soup at an assistant coach. Follow-up question, why was J.R. Smith throwing soup at an assistant coach? Follow-up to the follow-up. What kind of soup was it? Split pea, miso, a bisque. Are we talking about chili? I need answers. Let me make this clear. This is not going to be an answer that's going to make it okay. There's no answer that's going to make it right. For example, if you were to chuck a light broth at Damon Jones, that's not actually better than decking him with heavy chowder. But it does help to paint a picture. Look, there's no excuse for dropping egg drop soup on an assistant's head. Just as I'm not going to feel better if this were a tomato and a basil instead of lentil. But I need to know. I have to know. Because Bacho isn't going to scald the victim, so maybe that's better than a steaming bowl of hot and sour soup. But at that point, we're simply splitting hairs. We can laugh all we want about J.R. Swish going J.R. Soup and drilling Damon Jones with borscht. But there is a cost to this, and that cost is nearly six figures. Hope that was worth it, soup. According to Bobby Marks of ESPN, quote, the one-game suspension for detrimental conduct will cost J.R. Smith $94,897. The Cavaliers will not get any luxury tax relief because Smith was suspended by the team and not the NBA, end quote. I mean, what could possibly be worth that guy losing 95 gur over? Either that soup was terrible or J.R. Smith just has money to light on fire because I don't care what's happening in my life. I will dump a bowl of soup on myself before I scratch a check for 100 grand for throwing gumbo. Now, you know how I feel about J.R. Smith. You know how I feel about him and his song. But it sounds like my man, my man needs to, wait for it, simmer down. Dude is throwing soup at assistant coaches. Like I said, JR Soup. Hope that was worth it. 95 Gur. What could this guy possibly have said to him to set him off like that? That he would lob soup. See, clones, do what you do with that. Take that take, turn it upside down, and turn it into some kind of reset about a guy who you think is a little bit overweight, chunked up, portly, fat. Fat. The Swish legend grows. Man, I knew this guy had that kind of range. The soup throwing range. I knew he still cared. I knew he still had that in him. I just knew it. So he'll be back. 95 Gur. 
Like Top Ramen, Chunky, Chili, Wonton Soup. It better have been Wonton Soup. If you're going to lose 95 Gur, it better have been Wonton Soup. Matzo Ball Soup. I, I have no idea. I want to hear from somebody who likes soup. Nothing, nothing like a bowl of hot soup on a winter night. Sweater up, soup up, chunky soup. None of that cold green soup. I don't like that crap. Real soup. Dave Roberts is my guest. Dave, it's so great to have you back on. How are you, Dave? Romy, what's happening, my friend? My man. What's up, Dave? How are things? How are you? Dude, uh, I'm out here at Glendale, uh, Camelback Ranch. Just got off the field. Perfect weather. We got baseball. We got guys working extra. It's a lot of good, good energy. Got Dodger fans everywhere. It's great. Boy, that's the best. You know, I remember, Dave, when you first came on after you got that job, and we talked about all the history associated with the gig, and now you're entering your third season as the team's manager, and you've had amazingly successful seasons already. So does it feel real now? Has it all sunk in, or is there still a little bit of it that seems surreal, like, I can't believe that I am living this dream? Uh, I, I think to... Uh it definitely feels like I can't believe it. I'm living this dream. And I feel that every single day. And Romy, you and I talked about that when I got this job. But I am in a place where now every single day things are sort of in place as far as the guys we have, what expectations from me and the coaching staff, learning the players more as I have uh, the last few years. So it's kind of business as usual, putting your head down and trying to get better each day. We're talking to Dave Roberts. Now, Dave, your roster is loaded, and you've got lots of different pieces that you can use. It's obviously a good problem to have, but how do you make sure that everybody is willing and able to sacrifice for the greater good of the team? That's the biggest challenge, and everyone always asks me, what's the hardest part of my job? And, Roman, when you've got a lot of players and you've got a lot of good players that obviously everyone wants to play, get opportunities, get innings, and to get the buy-in from every guy, I think that's the biggest part is to – staying connected to the player and understanding that for the greater good, uh, you know, everyone's got to play. And I think it has helped, though, if you look at the last couple of years, we've won more games than anybody in all of baseball. So, um, And guys are getting opportunities, and teams want winning players. So we've got a lot of winners here. Los Angeles Dodgers manager Dave Roberts, my guest. Now, it was announced a few weeks back that Chase Utley is going to have a contract this season. So what's it mean to you as a manager to have a guy like that, and not just from the standpoint where you can use him in the lineup and bring him off the bench, but to have him in the clubhouse and help enforce that culture? Romy, this dude is a savage, and I've played against him as a player. He's a Bruin, as I am, and really have got a chance to know Chase and learn him the last couple of years. And he's a guy that you pinch it for him. He gets it. He doesn't complain. He's, he's rooting his teammates on. He's looking for pitchers' tells to help our guys out. Uh, he's, he, he leads by example. He has conversations. He's kind of like E.F. Hutton. You know, when he talks, everyone listens. And, and that includes myself and the coaches. But to have him be an extension of me, uh, to get him back to kind of help Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, JT, Kenley Jansen, I mean, this guy, Clayton Kershaw, this guy really is, uh, along with JT, the glue of this club. You know, when you mention some of these guys, then you got a guy like Chris Taylor. And you look at the postseason run, Dave, it was amazing to see him step up the way he did and deliver in critical moments time and time again. When you've got a player like Taylor doing that on the biggest stage, what's that do for his confidence? And then how much does that set him up for this season? Romy, it's real. And and people kind of ask, is there going to be a sophomore slump with, with uh, Taylor? And, and this guy, mechanically, mentally, he's a baseball player. He's tough. And uh, he's sound. And I think that he really gathers information 
He sees the ball out of the hand really well. He's versatile. We have him obviously a lot in center field, but he can play short. He can play second. He can play third. I have him at the top of the order. This guy gets on base. He slugs. And have a guy like that with tremendous upside. I can't say enough about the front office and acquiring this guy. Got especially that versatility, too. And then when you talk about upside, what about Cody Bellinger? I mean, he's coming off a rookie year. He hit nearly 270, 39 home runs, nearly 100 runs batted in. What do you make of the way he handled that success as a young player? And then, Dave, what's a reasonable expectation for him this year? You know what? I, I think that there's no reason why he can't do what he did last year and obviously and, and potentially surpass it. But I think Cody, you know, he's got great bloodlines with his father. Clay's uh, won the World Series a couple times, former big leaguer, and he's just a tough kid. Um, and I think that he does a great job of really getting in the moment, not, you know, the postseason or the World Series. There's no carryover from that where he got exploited a little bit. You know, he made adjustments uh, physically, uh, mentally, in his approach and his plan. And this kid, yeah, he's another versatile player, but he's, uh, he's one of those guys that we're counting on. But sky's the limit for Cody. We're talking Dodgers baseball manager Dave Roberts, my guest. You mentioned Clayton Kershaw. He is set to start opening day for the eighth time in his career, which is a team record. You've been around him a couple of years now. What do you know about him maybe or appreciate about him now that you didn't know when you first arrived? I, well, I, I think you and I have talked about this before in one sense is that I just really didn't know that everything – he does is with a purpose as far as on the days that he doesn't pitch. You know, I think that we can all talk about every every start that he makes, the 30, 32 starts that he makes every single year. But the work that he puts in, uh, in the weight room, in, in the bullpen, it's unbelievable the conviction he has with every single throw that he makes. And um, when you get Rich Hill, who hasn't seen guys like that, guy like that work, or Alex Wood, Julio Urias, and even Kenley. Kenley's grown uh, Romy exponentially from being around Clayton and that kind of killer mentality that Clayton has. But I think the thing that really resonates with me or is really hard to believe is every single time he steps on the field, he's the best player. And what it means for him to be able to rise that occasion where that pitcher opposing him is going to give everything he has because he's facing the best, and Clayton rides the occasion every single time. Yeah, Dave, I wonder, when you have a work ethic like that, an approach like that, a regimen like that, you know, it's obviously going to impact the other pitchers who watch him work and prepare, but and although it's a different job altogether, does it also resonate with the other guys in that clubhouse when they see the way he goes about his work? It does, and, and, and Romy, we, we have 26 guys that are new to this spring training that weren't with us last spring or didn't play to have any service with the Dodgers last year, so half of the group in spring training is new, but for these guys to see Clayton Kershaw, where, where Scott Alexander we acquired from Kansas City or Tom Kohler we got from Toronto, and they see this guy work, it's eye-opening to see veteran players hear, uh, and for, hear from them and how this guy works. It definitely raised the bar for everybody. Yeah, but then again, Dave, how many guys do you really have? I know camp has been hit by a virus this week, and you had more than a <laughs> dozen guys out, which was an improvement over Wednesday when it was more like two dozen. What's it like running that camp with everybody battling a virus, and are you dealing with it? Romy, it's unbelievable, man. And okay, I'm not dealing with it, fortunately. So um, not yet, Skip. I'm doing a lot of fist bumps. But <laughs> I'll tell you right now, there was like 24 guys that were out, man. And I don't know what was the culprit. But it's funny though, Andrew Tolls, who we all know and love, he, I guess his best piece piece of advice was just don't bunk with dudes and you'll be fine. So, <laughs> so I guess that, that's that's the remedy, man. Don't bunk with dudes, man. So it was funny, but we're kind of on the other side right now, Romy, and uh, we'll be all right. <laughs> Dave Roberts joining us. All right, Yasiel Puig had a very good 2017. He was a force in the postseason, too. So for him, what was the biggest difference in his play from 2016 to last season? 
I think the thing, the difference for, for Yasiel is uh, obviously it's, it's well documented his relationship with Turner Ward, our hitting coach. But um, if you look at the mechanic side of things or the approach, him not uh, really uh, panicking or committing so much to the ball on the inner half of the plate, looking out over because he's a guy who can slug any part of the field. And I think just the consistency on and focus on every single pitch. I think Yasiel's a guy that a lot of players, Romy, like the limelight and like the spotlight, the big stage. And we saw that in the postseason where Yasiel was amazing. But I think for me, the whole body of work for 160 games, this guy came focused every single night to help us win baseball games. And you look at the byproduct of that, he had a heck of a year. Hey, Dave, last thought, and you've been great. So good to have you back. I know you're looking ahead, but if you were to look back at last season and that amazing run of the World Series and Game 7, do you find yourself thinking about that at all? And if you do, what, what resonates the most? What do you think about the most? You know, I just wish we could have – I wish we, we had a chance uh, – I wish we would have played better. Um, and, I, and I think that there's talk, Romy, of should we have let Clayton start on two days, which he's never done? Should we have let Alex Wood start on three days rest, which he had never done? We acquired you, Darvish, at the deadline. He had one postseason, one bad outing in the postseason, uh, which was in the World Series. And so on regular rest. So I don't rethink that. I just wish that uh, we would have played better uh, and given our fans um, that championship that they deserve. So you'll get a shot once again coming up this season, and it all starts on March 29th against San Francisco. Dave Roberts, the 2016 NL Manager of the Year. David, it's great to have you back. Always good to talk baseball with you. Thanks for taking the time, and I will look forward to doing it again soon. Romy, you're the man. Tell Blackie I said hello. Bud Black is my guest. Bud, it's so good to have you back. How are you? I'm well, Jim. Great to hear your voice. Bud, great to hear your voice, and Dave Roberts want to make sure that I said hello to you from him. So he sends his best. Likewise, we, uh, yeah, Dave and I had uh, had a bite to eat last week together. Uh, we became fast friends uh, when he joined the Padres. You know, he was my uh, one of my coaches for five years. You're right, man. Hey, what a what a wonderful guy, man. The only thing, he's in our division. We have to battle all year. But you know, when that last uh, when that last out is made at the end of the season. Uh, we get a little tighter again, so it's good stuff. I see you working. That is a tough, tough division, a nasty division, which looks even tougher this year. You know, but you're coming off a season where the team took a big step forward. So how different does this year's camp feel compared to last year now that you've got a year with this group under your belt? Yeah, quite a bit different. Uh, you're right. I think last year, you know, coming in new, not knowing a lot of the guys personally, knowing them from the other side, watching them play. You know, my message to them was, uh, you know, to believe that they're a good team because I, you know, I saw it from the other side, especially the position player group. And, uh, you know, and then after I got to know uh, the pitching staff, you know, I really felt we, you know, we're in a pretty good spot, a uh, pretty good spot to contend. And, it, that, and that's how it played out. So this year, a little bit more focus on, on, on where we are as a team and what we got to do to make that next step to, you know, to climb that ladder a little farther. But, uh, you know, you're on the job. Things seem to, you know, level out a little bit, and your your focus has sort of changed. But, you know, I, I really like where we are right now. So hopefully, uh, we can continue uh, through this spring. And when it uh, starts here, late March, we'll be ready for the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Pods in our division, and anybody else who you know comes our way. But you're right; it's going it's to be a, a tough challenge. 
for the National League West. Rockies manager Bob Black, my guest. But one thought about taking that job, because when it came open, of course, there was all that noise once again about how it's just too hard to win there because of the altitude, because of how tough that division is. And yet you come in and you reach the postseason in your first year. Is there any part, you're not this guy, bud, but is there any part of you that wants to say, where are all of you now? Do you have anything you want to say to us now? (laughs) Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, no, the thing that I try to get across to the group and even to, you know, the media, the national media is that, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, whether there are 81 games in Coors or whether we're on the road, and somebody's going to win that game. And, and my message is, hey, why don't we win it? Why don't we win, you know, why don't we win most of them? You know, let's win these games in our park. Let's win games on the road. It doesn't matter where we play. Uh, you know, there is a little, there's obviously altitude. There's a physical component that we got to combat a little bit. Uh, there's a, you know, psychological battle within the pitching staff we have to contend with, but I think we're past those hurdles with, you know, some of the, you know, some of our direction on how we develop pitchers, how we trade for pitchers, the type of pitcher we're looking for. So, you know, some of those mental things that, uh, you know, people talk about, I think we're past that. So, you know, we just know that if we play good baseball with our group, we can play with anybody. We're talking to Bud Black. You know, Bud, let me ask you about Nolan Arenado for a minute. God, I love this guy. It's a huge Nolan Arenado house. But as much love and attention as he gets, I'm not sure he gets enough. Now, you and I talked about him in the past, but now that you've had a full season with him, what do you make of him as a player and where he is right now in his career? Yeah, you know, I'm glad they're starting to, uh, a little bit of momentum on the you know, in the national recognition, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to more, you know, national writers about Nolan, uh, you know, Tyler Kepner was just in here yesterday from the, from the New York times. Uh, there's been some back East writers, you know, talking about Nolan, you know, the gold gloves, the silver slugger, uh, the MVP voting, and he's, he's getting out there, uh, which is a, you know, much deserved, but, you know, getting to know him, uh, like I have here the last, you know, 18 months, you know, what a player. This guy's passionate about the game. He loves to work. Uh, and I, I think his, his biggest joy is, you know, when he, when he gets to the clubhouse, you know, walks through those doors, you know, and puts, and puts the baseball uniform on, man. He just loves it and everything that goes along with, you know, that day from, you know, 2 o'clock until the end of the game, you know, it's baseball, man. He consumes it. And, and it, it's really it's infectious on the other guys. But this guy truly loves to play. He's gifted on defense. Uh, he's really made himself into a, a, a really good all-around hitter, uh, you know, hit for average, hit for power, knock in runs. Uh, you know, he's a special player. We're watching a we're watching a player right now with you know all the other great players, the you know the Machados, the Bryants, the Harpers, the Trouts. You know, Nolan's in those is in that conversation with these fellows. We're talking to Buddy Black for a few more moments. He's joining us. But i, I got to ask you about Charlie Blackman and what you do with him because he's coming off that monster year where he won the batting title. He hit 331. He hit 37 home runs, and he had a major league record, 102 runs batted in as a leadoff hitter. I mean, it's amazing to have that kind of productivity at the top of the lineup, but I know you've thought about possibly moving him down. How do you go about making that decision, and then what's the determining factor? Well, you're right. We've talked about it. You know, it's going to depend a little bit on the, you know, the roster construction here at the end of spring training, you know, who makes our club. But, you know, it might suit us best to have him and him and Nolan right there, you know, possibly three, four. You know, I think Charlie has proven that, you know, with his power, his ability to knock in runs, 
you know, he might be more productive for us right there in the three hole. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. You know, Charlie gets it. He understands where he is in his career. You know, I think the, you know, the, you know, the lineup that the Rockies had, uh, you know, the last number of years, you know, it's sort of set up for Charlie at the top. When you think about Cargo, you think about Mark Reynolds, Nolan, uh, LeMayu is, a, you know, a really solid number two hitter. So it just made sense to, to get no to get Charlie there with his on-base skill and he's dangerous leading off the game. Uh, and, and the lineup worked a little bit better and you got, he got the extra at bats as the, you know, as the season rolls along, you know, that, that spot got, you know, the most at bats. So now it might, it might be a little bit different uh, with who makes, uh, makes our club, but uh, you know, Charlie gets it. He understands and he's on board for sure. And again, I think where he is now with the power and the RBI potential uh, could be a good fit for him. But before you go, and I know you have a meeting you have to hit, I do want to ask you about Kevin Towers because when you know most people know you and I go way back, and I think about when I got my start in San Diego, Kevin Towers would come on, and he passed away, and his memorial was recently. I know he meant a great deal to you. Can you share your thoughts? What was Kevin like as a guy and a baseball man to you? Yeah, well, I, you know, I wouldn't be in this chair right now if it wasn't for Kevin uh, believing in me as a as a manager. Uh, and you know, once I got to know Kevin, you know, day in day out, we had crossed paths before you know, in the game. Uh, but, you know, when you work with somebody as closely as that relationship is between the manager and the general manager, you know, you truly get to know a fella. And, uh, you know, Kevin was, I mean, for me, I mean, just all encompassing, uh, you know, a great baseball mind, uh, you know, fun, competitive, uh, loyal, I mean, all the adjectives that you might have read through some of these articles uh, during his service last week, you know, just rang true. I mean, he was just, you know, he's a man's man. He's a great guy. It didn't matter where, you know, where you fell on the, you know, on the totem pole. You know, he was everybody's friend. Uh, you know, he's going to be missed because he touched so many people. He just had that rare skill where, you know, he could interact with, uh, he could interact with owners. Uh, and he could go and he can interact with, uh, you know, clubbies. Uh, he could inter interact with, you know, the, the maitre d' at the restaurant, uh, you, you, you name it, man. He could, uh, he had a great skill for people and that, uh, you know, was reciprocated by those people who knew him and went both ways. So he's going to be missed Jim. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a classic. He's a good one. He was a dude. Man, he was a dude. He had a lot of it. He was so great. He was so fun, even as a media guy. But I know exactly what you're talking about. I love talking to KT, and I'm glad I could get your thoughts on that. Colorado coming off a big first year under Buddy Black, and they're getting ready for another year to start on March 22nd, or March 29th, I should say. But I know you got to go. It's so good to have you back. Thanks for your thoughts on Kevin and on your team, and I hope we can do it again soon. Jim, I'm here. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm always, uh, you know, proud to be on the show with you. Uh, you know, what... Uh, you know, what you've meant for talk radio over the years. And, uh, and you know, aside from the start, man, it's cool. It's good stuff. So nice going. We'll Good. talk. In fact, why don't we start hour number two with something a little bit different? Again, let me read you a headline, and you tell me where this headline is from. In fact, I'll help you. I'll give you a choice. It's either from Newsweek or it's from The Onion. Here is the headline. Russian stadiums to allow cocaine cannabis, and heroin at the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Now you tell me, what's that from? Newsweek or The Onion? 
Actually, that's not parody. That's not satire. That is cold, hard, vintage journalism. And it's got Newsweek's name stamped on it, not The Onion. Again, the headline, quote, Russian stadiums to allow cocaine, cannabis, and heroin at the 2018 FIFA World Cup. I think I speak for every last one of us when I say my first reaction to that headline is, what about meth? No love for meth? Where is the respect for meth? No credit for meth? I mean, is Russia seriously going to turn away the fine ice tweakers of the world who are trying to watch some of the beautiful game? Peacefully, from their seats, gacked out of their gourds. Heroin, coke, weed, but no meth? What kind of jacked up, blatant discrimination is that? So that's my snap take. What about meth? What about meth? What about meth and what about, wait, what? The Russians are about to allow a bunch of China White, Kron, and Toot into the World Cup games. I mean, is that for real? I mean, <laughs> is that for real? Turns out it is real. It's real as long as you have been prescribed these drugs and you have a doctor's note. <laughs> because that makes so much sense, right? It makes sense except for, wait, what? There are doctor's notes and prescriptions for black tar and snow. Where? What kind of kook MDs are scribbling out a note for smack and flake? I mean, here in Cali, we used to have those Venice Beach white coats diagnosing anybody with 80 bucks is having glaucoma. Now it's legal for everybody, so those fake doctors obviously had to find a different racket. Maybe they moved to Europe. Maybe they're writing scripts for rock junkies. I mean, can you imagine that scene in Russia this summer? Think of the security lines that you're going to have to go through. A bunch of soccer fans removing their shoes, belts, and eight balls of snow. And then getting all those items back and walking right in. And the absolute best part of that story, the Newsweek story, isn't what Russia is allowing you to bring in. It's what they're not allowing you to bring in. You can bring in pot, you can bring in blow, and you can bring in the horse. However, you're not allowed, quote, the country's smoking ban in Moscow, St. Petersburg, and Sochi venues will still be active, end quote. So once again, let me translate that you or translate that for you non-drug users. Come shoot dope, blow lines, and rip your glass on glass, but don't you dare fire up a heater, you dirty, filthy, scummy smoker. This whole story is amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Two of the hardest drugs known to man, are going to be allowed into one of the most dangerous sporting events ever. Here's hoping that the cokeheads and the tar junkies can coexist for a few weeks this summer. The World Cup used to be about what country you represented. This year, it's all about what powder you snort. Scarves up for, you drug, for your drug of choice, soccer fans. Scarves up. Scarves up. Blow 
heroin, or hippie lettuce. But don't you dare bring your Marlboros, Marlboros in here or your camels or your parliaments. I best not see one parliament, non-filter or otherwise. Man, and don't you bring a menthol cigarette in here either. No menthols. That means you, Johnny Football. No menthols. It's lit! My menthol's lit! It's lit! Cigarettes are disgusting enough. Hey, and by the way, if you're going to come in here with Rome, that's it. Don't you crack back on Cigarette Nation. I've had your back, Rome, through thick and thin. I've had your back through everything. That's it, Rome. I will never listen to you ever again. Let me tell you something. If you smoke menthol cigarettes, I don't want you listening to me. That's it, Rome! The four of you that are smoking a menthol right now, do what you got to do. I will live with the choices I've made. Anyway, good luck with that. Heroin allowed with a doctor's note. I told that story in my suburban neighborhood once. I went to a party and this guy was going on and on about how he used to ride the horse. Ride the horse, ride the horse. I'm like, dude, I own horses. He's like, no, man. I used to ride the horse. You're right. You get on a horse, right? What, you mean bareback? Oh, oh, you mean you rode that horse bareback? Yeah, dude, cool. He's like, are you stupid? No, man, I didn't ride the horse bareback. I shot heroin, bro. Oh, (laughs) you rode the horse. Sorry I didn't know that, man. I live in an upscale suburban neighborhood in Southern California. Even worse, stories now that some of our kids are riding the horse because that's not very terrifying. Dear Rome, no meth allowed at the World Cup. Hell no, we ain't going. Yours, the Inland Empire. You know, I would say that that's like the most predictable email ever, even if Hawk liked it. And Hawk, why would you like that? And you knew that was coming, right? The best part about that, though, is the guy who cracked back on the 909 and went with Inland Empire meth smack. It was somebody from Toronto. Mike R. in Toronto. Even the 909 has got a rep in Toronto. An international rep. The 909 with an international rep. What's up, Mike? You got any takes on Norco? Fontana? Locals call it Fontucky. Jeremy McDowell, four tweets. I would think the last group of fans that need to be getting high during games are soccer fans. And again, not just high. Gacked out of their minds. Riding the horse. Blasting rails of the Bolivian marching powder. I'm fine with them getting high. Kinda. At Finding Rebo tweets, big deal. The Russian stadiums are just following what the Oakland Memorial Coliseum has been doing for years. Yeah, I don't think they allow that. I don't think a doctor's note saying that you can shoot heroin is going to be allowable up there. Again, I'll admit it. You know, if your take is wrong, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You don't get it. I'll own that. I don't get it. Where in this world does a doctor write a note for heroin? Is heroin medicinal now? Hope your week is off to a great start. It is so good to have you here. What is up? I'm live in Southern California. Nice to have you on board.
What's going on? How was your weekend? How y'all living? Let's get at this thing. Good show for you. Coming off a weekend where there's a lot to cover. Got a bit of an issue in San Diego that I know some of you want to talk about. I will get to that a little bit later on. Let me start with the news of the day. College basketball had itself a weekend, right? Uh, we've already seen some schools make those so judgment So the NCAA calls. has to change. Go to an Olympic model. Let the athletes have endorsements. Let agents come out of the shadows. Any of it, all of it, but you can't do none of it. San Diego is a third-rate city. You know, something like this goes down 20 years ago. It's a real problem. And to be fair, it is a problem. Upgraded my serious satellite radio. I'm angry with the decision. Oh, my God. I love this guy. And I'm even more angry that it was handled the way that it was handled. I am so sorry. You're not on Lots of different ways to get the show. Radio.com is the app. We will be back on the air in that market. And when that is, I will let you know. Dan Marley, my guest. Corruption in college basketball. You know, it's a mess. I don't think anybody's surprised. This has been going on forever. You said you walked in the middle. When you didn't. Geno Smith was and I love that he says he's been, quote, studying this whole flat earth versus globe thing, end quote, like it's actually a thing. Great, G. Are you also tackling this gravity versus no gravity thing? Now, I thank the Kansas City Chiefs for everything they did. Can you next man off. up Marcus Peters? Chiefs fan. Uh, reaction. I mean, what are we going to do? Trade Kelsey next? The guy was a little hanging free. If he was in Wichita, I'd give him a smack right in the mouth. Chicken the nuts. Throw the name Kyle Schwarber into Twitter. I'm not saying the guy was fat. I never call anybody fat. But I will tell you this. If there is an alarm for being fat, there should be a fat alarm in reverse. This guy earned it. David Wise joining us. E-Tech and I crank my bindings down as far as they can go. When it's the Olympics, sometimes it's time to crank them all the way down and let them ride. Don't follow for Anthony Davis. So sometime before your kids go to bed tonight, take a few minutes with them and talk about Anthony Davis. Hey, D, what's good, baby? We're talking to Tim Miles. The one I liked is when the kid either dies or passes out on a dunk, and the kid's calling 911 on his hand. 911, what is your emergency? Next message. Play it for me, Yombi. No, dead. No, dead. Play it for me, Yombi. No, dead. No, dead. Play it for me, Yombi. And no, dead. No, dude. And all the girls say I'm pretty fly for a sound Laurent Duvernay Tardif. You put MD in the back of my jersey, even if it's only for a preseason game. I do it because I want to try to inspire as many people as possible. That is absolutely amazing. If not for all the references to, like, Mistake by the Lake and The Last Word on Fox Sports Net and Channel 34, 34. Grudge Mode, Drug right, Test, if you right. just listen to the beat and the hook, you think that thing dropped last week. You got the real street cred now. 50 Cent would think it was down. Bob Melvin. But have you ever seen a guy as electric as Ricky? You know, there are a handful of guys you talk about as greatest players of all time. Um, the greatest of all time. Uh, certainly he's in that conversation. Thank you. Jeff's voice makes Dan in Denver sound like James Earl Jones. Impressive. Red Vine expert Howard Peck. I kid you not, it said it's National Licorice Week. Red Vine's for everybody. Yeah, James doubling up the Clippers. Oh, clean up on aisle no. three. Clean up on aisle three. Someone call someone! Leslie Johnson's a good dude. He was a good dude. R.I.P. Thoughts and prayers to his family and loved ones. There was a murder here in L.A. last night. People die every day. You are not the father. Most of you can barely raise your own kids. Stop telling Kraft how to raise his. Especially if it's not his. Malcolm Butler, he was too busy impregnating Rob Kraft's wife. Great take, Christian. Email. Dane from the Chocolate Fountain. Moratorium on Dane Cook references. You're taking food off of my plate and putting it on his plate. <laughs> ben Mesrick, Lesson Laguna, and Benny and a Whiskey talking about his cheese. I want to hear from somebody who likes soup. Nothing like a bowl of hot soup on a winter night. Sweater up. None of that cold green soup. I don't like that crap. Crapper. 
Drew Holiday. Anthony does this all the time. Hey, He's the number one four man in the league. I, I don't see anybody coming close to him. And the 1090 has taken a giant dump, dump in your pants. On the Rome fans down here in San Diego. A conflict free. Were you life. really messing like, adult diapers in the can? Oh. Romy, what's happening, my friend? I know camp has been hit by a virus this week, and you had more than a dozen guys out. <laughs> Romy, it, it's unbelievable, man, and I'm not dealing with it, fortunately. Not um, yet, Skip. I'm doing a lot of fist bumps. <laughs> Tell Blackie I said hello. Bud Black is my guest. Jim, I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm always proud to be on the show with you. You know, what you've meant for talk radio over the years. Sorry from the start, man. It's good stuff. You might find a map of Hawaii. Who? Billy Reed. You have clergyman nation and truckers nation in your corner, buddy. What about meth? That is game over. A Mecca Okafor. Not to be profiling. Dirty John Gruden. I'm not dead. Serious Channel 213. XM Channel 201. Thank you, Jim. Big fan of yours. If you don't live here, don't surf here. Have a great National Licorice Week. Send me a picture of Blue. Hey, yeah, I did send you one. We'll send it again, man. Someone that is the worst call I've someone ever heard. Good night now. Wow, I don't even know where to start. Alvy. Alvy, I have a question for you. Hey, Jim. Hey, Alvy. Are you nervous? <laughs> What's and up, man? My question is this. Dude, I've what you've done with the place. <laughs> you love what I've done with the place. What's Thanks, up? Alvy. Alvin, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you how do you produce that, edit that, and knock that thing out while you're sitting there and running the show? That is incredible. That was so tight. How do you do that? Well, it's not very easy. It's a <laughs> lot of hard work. Talk to me, Alvy. No, we work really hard. What do you mean by that? Here. It's not very easy. Uh, it just takes a lot of, it takes whole, the whole week to do it. And All the right. thing is, I mean, it's like right, a so highlight I'd like, so I'd like to take back some of the credit. If it took you a whole week to do that, I'm not as impressed. Well, it's the week that was. So. Good point. That's a good point. Burn, burn. Hey, Hawk, stop acting like the guy just like lit me on fire or something. A- anyway, anyway, no, Alvy, that, that was brilliant. That was so good. What was that thing? The part, what did you pull from the podcast that you used? The Offspring. Hey, Hawk, can you play that back? This is great when these guys switch seats. James Kelly is here. Oh, now, now Alvin has to go back to the original chair to play what it's I want to talk to him about. And how much time do we have? Dude, dude, this is not a good idea. We're down to 60 Fine, seconds. Play it for me, Like, Alvin, what is this? Now, now dude. Now, now dude. dude. Play it for me, Alvin. Now, now dude. dude. Now, now dude. dude. Me, Get it, Alvy. 60 seconds. All right, so Alvy Alvi is not only singing it, he's explaining it, and he gave me a 60-second cue. And now Alvin's gone. He's got a pilot the ship. There it is. What a week, and we are running it back right here on Monday. We will see you then. Have an amazing weekend. I am out. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired, and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.